On today's show, we have a special guest, Jesse Friedman of PHNX, the Diamondbacks beat writer, to talk about everything the Texas Rangers need to know about the Diamondbacks. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of Locked On Rangers. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. You can follow my guest at PH underscore NX Diamondbacks on Twitter. Hit subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's show, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Now, without further ado, let's get into my talk about everything you need to know about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Joining me today for the World Series preview, one of about a thousand parts of my World Series preview, is Jesse Friedman of PHNX D-backs. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a crazy 24 hours. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you and and many people watching or listening know about the weather uh, in the Dallas area recently. Uh, flying in last night was a bit of an event. My flight was diverted to Houston. Uh, and then I wound I'm so up so sorry you had to go landing. through that going to Houston. Oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know uh, Dallas people seem to enjoy hating on that city. But yeah, I eventually made it to Dallas at like two in the morning last night. So it's been a it's been a, a crazy 24 hours. But, uh, but yeah, here we are. Well, hey, welcome to the great state of Texas. Got a, a great World Series for you. Two teams that, uh, despite a lot of chatter online from certain individuals, deserve to be here because they won their baseball games, and, and that's how the baseball postseason works. And so I'm excited to watch these two very good baseball teams play some baseball. But, you know, Rangers fans don't know a whole lot about the Dimebacks. The Rangers did play four games against them this year, and I feel like we can just take what happened in both those two game series and just throw it out the window because these two teams are in completely different places right now but i want to start with the underrated diamondbacks there are a few stars that that a lot of people know about Cattell Marte. um i feel like a decent number of people know about corbin carroll and um you know obviously zach allen who was fantastic this year but who are some of the players that are kind of under the radar of the average fan on the diamondbacks that have made this team so good a few come to mind. I think Christian Walker on the offensive side is is probably the the first one outside of the names that you already mentioned. He's just a really good, really good all around first baseman. I think in in terms of wins above replacement over the last couple of years, it's it's Paul Goldschmidt, it's Freddie Freeman, and then it's Christian Walker. Uh, which as as crazy as that is to think, uh, and not to say that he's you know on the level of Freddie Freeman certainly, or you know Goldschmidt of course won the MVP last year. He's not doing those kinds of things, but he is a really really good first baseman a gold glove you know level first baseman it was a finalist for that award has a pretty good chance to win that award I, I think again this year and he's a and he's a solid hitter as well uh, you know it's not a 950 OPS but it's you know like a solid low mid uh, 800s OPS uh, the last couple of years and 
um yeah i mean he's just you know he's been a force in the middle of this diamondbacks for uh, this diamondbacks lineup for a while in addition to as i said being you know one of the best first basemen in the game yeah, I really have loved Christian Walker's game. I feel like he's been like criminally underrated by baseball for a long, long time. But another young guy who's really coming out and coming into his own in this postseason, hitting third quite a few times, is is Gabriel Moreno. I mean, a guy who the Diamondbacks traded for. I thought it was one of the more interesting trades. A a challenge. Usually, you don't see major leaguer for major leaguer, but I mean, the Diamondbacks got uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno uh, in exchange for Dalton Varsho. What has Gabriel Moreno brought this year? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's the name I, I should have mentioned even even before Walker. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's hitting third for the Diamondbacks right now, uh, right? And they're and they're in they're literally in the World Series with Gabriel Moreno hitting third for them. Uh, he's he's really been uh, a revelation for for this team this year. Uh, you know, uh, early in the season, I guess back in back in spring training, Carson Kelly, the the veteran catcher uh, on the team, who's who's you know been sort of their primary catcher for a long time, he got hurt. Uh, he broke his wrist and it kind of forced Gabriel Moreno into an everyday role. And he pretty quickly showed, you know, what he can do on the major league level. He's a, a solid offensive catcher. That's something that he's really grown into uh, here over the last couple months of the regular season and into the postseason. Hence why he's hitting third and has put some put up some pretty good numbers here in, in the playoffs. But, you know, he's a force behind the plate as well. Grades out is, you know, probably the the best. Uh, base stealing preventer of any of any catcher in the game. I know the Rangers have a, a really good guy in that regard as well in Jonah Heim. Um, so yeah, you know, he does it on on both sides of the ball. And a big question for him, you know, throughout the season was how much power is there is there really going to be? He was he's kind of you know sort of a slap hitter type of a profile. At least that's sort of what he looked like uh, last season with Toronto. But over these last couple months, he's really started to hit for some power and. Uh, he's really hit for some power as well here in the postseason. Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of power from this Diamondbacks lineup. And you talked about him, you know, preventing runners on bases. And it seems like that hasn't been as much of a part as the Rangers game as I thought it would be because they've they've got some fast guys, but they haven't been nearly as aggressive on the base pass this year, even with the incentivized, you know, new rules with stealing. But it seems like it's been the exact opposite case for the Diamondbacks. Is that something that has been, you know, something the D-backs have done for years, or it's just kind of like this is the personnel they have and they're trying to make the most of these new rules? I think it's something that that they've done in the past as well. Um, but, you know, certainly even even more so this season, uh, you know, having Corbin Carroll on your team, you know, you're that you're going to steal a good number of bases just because you have him. Uh, he's still 54 this year, was only caught five times outside of that. There isn't anyone who really like there's no one else on the roster who is, who is near the threat on the bases that Corbin Carroll is. So I don't I think some people maybe have a faulty view of the Diamondbacks as being this team where, you know, every single guy, the moment they get on first, they're, they're going to steal second. Um, it's really Corbin Carroll and then and then sort of everyone else. Jake McCarthy, really, really good base stealer, but he has a, a strained oblique. He's not a, a factor here in the postseason for, for the Diamondbacks at this point. Josh Rojas was another big base stealer for them. They traded him to the Mariners at the trade deadline. But what the Diamondbacks do have is Dave McKay. Uh, who is a really, really good first base coach, you know, probably one of the best base running coaches in 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 the sport. And he allows guys like Christian Walker, you know, like Lourdes Gurriel, guys where base stealing really like shouldn't be a part of their game. With with his help, it, it just sort of seems that, you know, 
pretty much everyone on this roster just kind of just kind of steal random bases every now and then when when you're not expecting it. Um, so yeah, you know, the Diamondbacks in large part because of McKay's efforts are are one of the you know one of the best base stealing teams in in the sport for sure. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Christian Walker, who is not a guy who I thought of as a base dealer. He's eleven and zero on stolen bases in the regular yeah. season. I love, I yeah. love the random like guys who you don't expect to have stolen bases. Like Adrian Beltre was notorious for this late in his career with the Rangers. Every year he'd have one stolen base. Every year he picked just, just a random time. He'd just go and he'd be like, "That's it. That's that's my even like age 36, 37. He'd always get at least one. Get thrown out a couple times. But this Dvex team is not just aggressive. I mean, Corbin Carroll had fifty four stolen bases, and the guy you mentioned, McCarthy, is the only the other one with 20 or more but it's not just the amount that they're stealing it's the effectiveness with which they're doing it i think that heim will definitely play a part in that but i think these snakes are going to be still aggressive it's what made them successful and they have gotten here despite what everyone else has said about them 84 wins does not matter they beat the big boys in front of them and i am incredibly impressed by this snakes team this episode is brought to you by jace medical there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Sometimes it's hard to get to a doctor when you need medications right away and quickly, and the Jace case is a great alternative to make sure that you have those medications on hand when, out, when you need them in the time that you need them. So Jace Medical offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit your family's unique needs. You can also buy gift cards for your family or loved ones so they can get a Jace case of their own. Go to jacemedical.com and enter code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jasemedical.com. The first thing that I mentioned, I think, was about the, you know, the two aces that a lot of people tend to know about, at least the one in Zach Callen, but also in Merrill Kelly. What makes those two guys so effective? We saw Gallen have some struggles. Are you worried about him, you know, struggling against this Rangers offense? Or are you thinking that he's going to be due for a bounce back game or two? Gallen is in an interesting spot right now in that, uh, yeah, I mean, sort of like what what you were just pointing out. He wasn't good in the Philly series, uh, which is which is weird. I mean, you you know you figure a, a team like the Diamondbacks that made it to the World Series, surely they did it because their top two starters have been dominant the whole way. That's not true. Zach Gallen has an ERA in the playoffs over five. Uh, he was he had a really bad first inning in Milwaukee in the the very first game the Diamondbacks played in the playoffs. Bounced back, wound up actually having a pretty good start. He was good in his start against the Dodgers in that series, but those two starts against the Phillies, uh, he he was not. He he really struggled in in both of those outings. So, you know, he's it. I think it's 232 innings at this point, uh, 210 in the regular season plus the four postseason starts. To me, it sort of looks like that might be catching up with him a little bit. I'm not quite sure. This is like the mid-season Zach Gallen guy who started the all-star game for the National League. I'm not quite sure if he's at that point right now. Um, but, you know, he certainly had his ups and downs uh, in the regular season. And there were moments when it it looked like he, he just didn't really have it for, you know, a stretch of three or four starts. And then suddenly it clicked back into place. So 
it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he goes into this series and, you know, has a couple really good starts, but that's not really the version of him that we've seen lately. Yeah. And another guy who, who flew under the radar, I think, I can't remember when exactly the Rangers uh, faced Brandon fought. It was one of his first games in the big leagues. And I think it was Rangers, his major league. I think it was his major league debut was against the I Texas think, Rangers in Arlington. I think it was. And I was like, I wasn't quite sure, but I, I thought that that was the case. And I remember it not going super well for, for, for fought. And I was no. like, Oh, this guy's the number three star on this team. There's no way they stand a chance against the Phillies. And he, he's just gone out there and absolutely shoved in this postseason. What has been the difference for him? What has been clicking for him? That's been different than the regular season. The big storyline with, with fought is, you know, diamondbacks pitching coach, Brent Strom, one of the, you know, uh, did a lot of really good things when he was with the Astros, one of the more well-known pitching coaches in the sport. He came up with the idea around the all-star break to move fought from the third base side of the rubber to the first base side, uh, in order to actually add what would he felt would be some deception, uh, to Brandon Fott's arsenal. And it's a little hard for me to really pinpoint if that's what the difference was. Uh, I mean, you know, a, a young pitcher fought was, was a top prospect, top 100 guy, you know, by pretty much any prospect list you looked at some saw him being top 20, top 30. Uh, so there was some pedigree there. And, you know, you feel like with those guys, sometimes they, they get called up, they struggle for a while and they kind of gradually get better. But yeah, he's been a different pitcher. I think ever since that, that change was made, he had a, a low four ERA in the second half of the year. And then in the playoffs, he has a sub three ERA. Um, so he's been, he's been really effective. I, I think, I think he totaled like 33 whiffs against the Phillies in his, in his last two starts, which is pretty, pretty impressive wow. number. Um, but the D backs are careful with him. They don't use him the same way that they use gallon and Merrill Kelly. It's pretty much, you know, 18 batters, uh, or less is kind of what it's been in, in the playoffs. I don't think you're going to, I don't think he's going to face Corey Seager three times. I don't think the D-backs are going to let that happen. Um, but yeah, he has been effective for them and and really turned things around from where he was when the Rangers, you know, first saw him. Yeah, it's been an impressive, you know, rotation. I'm curious, what what is Arizona going to do with game four? Is it going to be a bullpen game? Because the one thing that is consistently stop this Rangers offense is a bullpen game. Doesn't matter who it is. Maybe it'll be different if they see it in the postseason. But I, I kind of thought like maybe someone, maybe even the Rays would employ a bullpen game just to get this offense off its heels. Yeah, it's going to be a bullpen game. Uh, almost certainly Tori Lavello hasn't, you know, like officially announced that or anything, but it's what they did in, in the Philly series. And it's, it's what they're going to do against the Rangers as well. Um, yeah, you know, uh, this D-backs bullpen was uh, pretty terrible as of about two months ago, and somehow things have kind of clicked into place here over the last couple months. They, you know, they traded for Paul Seawald at the deadline. They got Ryan Thompson, uh, signed him to a minor league deal after he was DFA'd by the Tampa Bay Rays a couple months ago. He's been excellent wow. for them. So, yeah, things have kind of fallen into place. Generally, Joe Mantiply is, is the guy that the D-backs go with uh, as the opener, and then uh, who's a lefty. And then mm -hmm. they kind of just piece things together from there. I don't know, you know, maybe they would change things up uh, against the Rangers. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but that's generally how their bullpen games go. I think that would probably be the move because Evan Carter of all the the good things that he does well, hitting lefties is, is not one of them. And so you'll get yeah. to see Robbie Grossman in the field for an inning or two, which has been the case whenever there's been a lefty starter on the Hill. It's what they did against Framber Valdez. And I think that'll probably be the case, but I mean, having a shaky bullpen where things kind of fall into place at the last minute, I mean, relatable, very relatable for Rangers yeah. fans.
But this Arizona lineup, that is what it's carried them a lot. And the answer backs, as they are called, and you know, coming on late and, and rallying offense. What has made this offense so successful? I know they just absolutely jumped the Dodgers early on, and they've been able to, it seems like, put up runs at will. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at like the Rangers offense and the D-backs offense in the regular season and the postseason, it all points to the Rangers offense being probably substantially better. Uh, the D-backs haven't gotten here. You know, they haven't gotten to the World Series because they're scoring seven runs a game. I think they're averaging like 4.3 runs a game, something like that in the playoffs. Pretty reasonable number. It's it's not super low, but it's not super high either. Um, but yeah, you know, they just... They just kind of have a they have a pretty deep lineup, I guess. Uh, you know, everyone sort of sort of contributes on some level, although Evan Longoria has really been brutal in the playoffs. He started every game, um, has, has really struggled offensively. They generally don't get much from third base. Uh, but outside of that, you know, it's a pretty well-rounded lineup. Everyone kind of brings something and and the top of the order has been really good. Corbin Carroll's been good in the playoffs. Catel Marte's been really good in the playoffs. Uh, Gabby Moreno, as we were talking about earlier. Christian Walker has sort of struggled in the postseason, really struggled in the NLCS, but he's he's a legitimate threat as well. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty well balanced team offensively, and it's a team that's figured out how to hit home runs in the playoffs, which is not really wasn't really a huge part of their game in the regular season. But you know, home runs, I think it's well documented, make a really big difference in the postseason. And the D-backs picked a really good time to start hitting like two homers a game. That's basically what it's been so far. Another guy I should mention is Alec Thomas. Um, their center fielder who's kind of a, you know, has started some games against lefties and more recently has not started against lefties. He's got pretty heavy splits as a left-handed hitter, uh, but he's come through for them offensively in, in a few big spots as well. And in, in his OPS in the playoffs, I think is 850 or something like that. So he's another part of just this kind of well-balanced, you know, sort of anyone can beat you sort of a lineup that the Diamondbacks have. Yeah, it's definitely something that's impressed me. And, and Thomas was a guy who I was just about to ask about was not something that I saw coming. And I didn't really know much about Alec Thomas until that series in August where these two teams played. And I was like, wait, why is Corbin Carroll not playing center field every day? He's insanely fast and he's got great jumps. And then I saw Alec yeah. Thomas rob like 87 extra base hits from Marcus Simeon alone. And that series like, oh, OK, I get it. Was this something that Alec Thomas was like projected to do? Not just the defense, but like the offense, the the home runs, because those I think are maybe the most surprising thing for me for how this D-backs team is is doing so well in the postseason. He was a he was a, a pretty highly touted prospect. Now, definitely not on the level of Corbin Carroll. I mean, Corbin Carroll was, you know, sort of in the conversation as being maybe the best prospect in the game when he came up. Alec Thomas was not on that level, but he's a guy who hit at pretty much every level on his way up, you know, through the minors. And a lot of people had, you know, fairly big expectations for him by the, you know, once he, once he made it to the majors and yeah, he's a really good center fielder. That is, that is the thing that will keep Alec Thomas in the league. And he will have no problems having a job for a number of years, really just because of that. Um, even though offensively think, you know, he certainly had his ups and downs, but yeah, I think against right-handed hit right-handed pitchers, Alec Thomas is a, is a pretty decent hitter, especially here in the playoffs. He's really been a bit of a weapon for them uh, against righties. But against lefties, like I said before, I mean, I think in the regular season, he was like four for 50 or something against lefties at one point. Like he he really has struggled against lefties. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the Diamondbacks handle him against 
Jordan Montgomery in particular, if he's in the lineup or, or if he's out of the lineup uh, like he was against Ranger Suarez in, in game seven against the Phillies. This episode is brought to you by Ibotta. How does a free Thanksgiving sound? This year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help you make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete. Because who wants a turkey without the gravy? Starting November 1st, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayCal, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app and use code MLB to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. Yeah, uh, definitely a guy who's coming through this lineup is is showing a lot of a lot of depth. I, th- I think is the most important thing for lineup. I mean, the Dodgers we saw they were kind of top heavy, and I thought they might be during the regular season. And it turns out they weren't during the regular season, but during the postseason. I mean, the, the D backs just absolutely shut them down. And I think that's what made the Rangers offense so good is that literally one through nine, there are no breaks. Even the number nine hitter, Leo Tavares, who plays a pretty good defense in center field himself. I feel like that's something that's really great about this. This D-backs team is one of their strengths is defense. And I don't yeah. know about you, but I am a sucker for great outfield defense, like getting a, a jump on a ball in the gap and just robbing it. It's one of my favorite plays in baseball. Yeah, and that's why, you know, even, even in that game seven where, you know, Alec Thomas against Ranger Suarez, not a great matchup on paper. A lot of Diamondbacks fans still really wanted to see Alec Thomas in the game because especially in the playoffs, there's just something about like, you just feel like you can't if you have an if you have a center fielder who has the ability to to go get that extra gapper or whatever it is, even if it's just one one ball a game that they're able to get that, you know, the other center fielder wouldn't. That has a lot of value. And, you know, the D backs, they're in kind of an interesting position where if they're not playing Alec Thomas, they're they're typically doing it in order to get uh, Emmanuel Rivera uh, into the game against a lefty who's another one of their third basemen. Uh, but he just hasn't hit much, even even as a right-handed hitter against lefties. The results there haven't really been great. So I think I think the Diamondbacks fan base, there's definitely a sense that you know we want Alec Thomas in there every day because even if he's not going to hit much against the lefties, you know you know he can go get it in center field, and that has a lot of value this time of year. Yeah, I mean, defense in the outfield, you don't have to tell me about how crucial it can be. And in certain games, I won't mention a certain game in a a certain World Series from a a few years ago and defensive substitutions (laughs) being important um, because I'm sure we're all still traumatized by that. But yeah, it definitely has some value and having a couple out to outfields. I mean, the outfield defense of this entire series is going to be fantastic. I mean, Alec Thomas in center field and Corbin Carroll in right field. And well, I mean, whoever's in left field will be be fine because you have those two guys out there. But the Rangers defensive <laughs> outfield and Adolis in right and Leody in center and Evan Carter in left field, like they got to cover some ground because that that park in Arizona, that is a big, big outfield. And I feel like 
people don't really understand like how important that is with an outfield like that. Do you think that kind of plays a role in why Alec Thomas has that much more value because of the park factors as well in Arizona? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, center, center field and at Chase Field is weird. Like you just can't homer to straightaway center. It's basically impossible. Uh, we've seen 440 foot doubles uh, off the center field <laughs> fence because there's just like there's no stands. It's just it's the batter's eye. It's just there's this yellow line that if you hit it over the yellow line, it's a home run. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to hit it really, really far. So yeah, there's a lot of ground to be covered uh, in center field and. Uh, kind of there's like the home run porch as it's called and in, in the left center and right center field gaps there's like these overhangs which I think is you know maybe a bit of a challenge for some guys so yeah having you know having a, a quality center fielder is definitely important at, at, at a place like Chase Field yeah uh it should be a lot of fun this series and these teams are are both under underdogs have been underdogs basically the entire way it's been the first time where the rangers are favored in a series it feels like but this this <laughs> dimebacks team i mean i feel like I, I see a lot of parallels between this dimebacks team and the orioles team i know there were a, a was a difference in you know regular season wins but just like the way yeah. they compose themselves the depth of their lineup and the you know having so many games where they come back late like it's just really, really similar to me. And I'm hoping that the Rangers can, you know, treat it the same way and handle it the same way. But I, I mean, these Dimebacks have a lot more, clearly more postseason experience than the three games that the Orioles play. Was that something that, that you saw any parallels of in, in the regular season? Or is that just kind of like, oh, I didn't really think about the AL East because literally as far away from the NOS as you can get. No, I, yeah, there's, there's definitely a connection there for sure. Uh, a few months ago, I, I came very close to running like this extended, like long form story on the parallels between the Diamondbacks and the Orioles. And, uh, you know, I mean, both teams, I think the Orioles as well lost 110 games two years ago. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's remarkable, uh, how quickly those two teams have turned it around. And if I'm being honest, I think the Orioles have the Orioles young core is just deeper at this point. The Diamondbacks have Corbin Carroll and Gabby Moreno, and I'm not sure they have Alec Thomas, like we said earlier, good player, but he also he has a lot to figure out offensively, I think, especially against lefties, uh, whereas I think the Orioles have several players that are just pretty complete and pretty freaking fantastic, uh, despite being really, really young. So, yeah, the Orioles on paper, I think, are the, the more talented team right now. But as we've seen in the playoffs, right, these these games aren't played on paper. And sometimes the team with less talent on paper wins. And, you know, that's how that's how this 84 win Diamondbacks team found its way to this point. Yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks were very good for the first half of the season. I feel like people kind of forget about how they were leading the NL West for a long time. And one difference, yeah. one key difference between the Orioles and the Diamondbacks and them and the Mariners said they went for it. And they were rewarded for it. I mean, trading for guys, you know, like a Tommy Pham and like um, like a Paul Seawalt. I mean, do you feel like that had like a huge impact on on how this team kind of saw itself and how much they realized like the window may be open for a long time, but when you really have a chance, you just absolutely have to go for it. It was it was kind of a gutsy move at the time for the D-backs to sort of push the chips in and, and buy because, yeah, you know, they were really, really good for the first couple months of the season. And then the wheels kind of fell off. Uh, they they lost 25 out of 32 games from uh, early July to mid-August. They went from 16 games over 500 to two games under 500 in a little over a month. 
uh, it was it was crazy just how stark of a turnaround it was. It just D back just couldn't win a game. They lost nine in a row at one point during that stretch. But yeah, you know, at the trade deadline, which was sort of right in the middle, kind of toward the end of that of that run of real difficulty for them, Mike Hazen, the Diamondbacks GM, decided to buy anyway. And he basically said, you know, I believe in the team that I saw the first couple months that, you know, that is maybe we're not, you know, a, a 100 win team like the team that we were on pace to be for a while there. But yeah, I mean, he bet on the Diamondbacks ability to to contend. They were still in the mix at the time of the trade deadline. And, you know, they they hit a, a real low, but they found their way out of it. And Paul Seawald has been a really big part of that. Uh, I talked about the bullpen kind of turning things around earlier. He's been enormous. This I don't think there's any question. The Diamondbacks wouldn't be here right now. They, they might not even be in the playoffs right now if it weren't for Paul Seawald and the way that he was able to kind of stabilize things at the back end. Tommy Pham hasn't necessarily hit a ton uh, and he didn't hit a ton in the second half during the regular season in the playoffs. He's struggled. Uh, he's actually sat out uh, a game or two. But, you know, he still came up with some really big hits and some in some key spots during the regular season. And, you know, I think the D-backs still still believe in him and, you know, he'll be in the lineup pretty much every day, I think. Yeah, I, I love that the, the Diamondbacks, when these teams that, you know, see that they're close and they go for it and they get rewarded. I mean, it was it seems like an absolute yeah. bloodbath towards the end, the final few days of the season. And, uh, you know, not going to lie, Rangers fans had some had some some choice words for the T-backs not taking care of business in any of those games yeah. against Houston. But hey, <laughs> all has been forgiven. Clearly, the D-backs knew what they were doing and setting up the Houston Astros for failure, giving them that home field advantage that was a disadvantage for them. And, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm really grateful for for the Diamondbacks for doing it, doing that for for us. That we couldn't see what was happening there. Um, but just some some final thoughts uh, on this series. What what are you expecting? What are you what are you most terrified of the Rangers about and most confident in the Diamondbacks about in this series? I think the Rangers just have a really good offense and, and, and as good as, you know, Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber and, you know, a lot of the hitters in that Phillies lineup are this Rangers lineup might even be a step above like the Rangers had, you know, depending on which metric you look at the top three, top two, top one offense, maybe in the league. That's that's something that I, I don't know if the D-backs have quite encountered that just yet. Certainly didn't in Milwaukee in that first series. The Dodgers are, you know, a very good offensive team, but Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman just didn't hit for three games. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in that Philly series, that that was certainly a challenge. But I think this this Rangers lineup presents even more challenges. Potentially, Corey Seager has had an outrageous postseason. Um, he always seems to hit the Diamondbacks well, you know, going back to his his days with the Dodgers, of course. So yeah, I think that I think it's going to be a real a real challenge for this pitching staff. Just the depth of the of the Rangers lineup. I mean, it seems like there's about five hitters on this team that have been really really good in the playoffs, even if some of the other guys haven't. So that's going to be a real challenge. Um, as far as the Diamondbacks and and you know what what they're good at, it's sort of hard to pinpoint any like the Diamondbacks. I wouldn't say are elite at any one thing. Their offense is not elite. Their starting pitching uh, is is good. But like we said earlier, Zach Gallen hasn't really been himself in the playoffs. Uh, their bullpen was miserable for four months and suddenly has been very good for the last <laughs> couple months. So I guess maybe that's the thing that they're best at right now. But yeah, I mean, they you know, they can they can beat you in a lot of different ways. And 
if they do win a game, they're probably not doing it, you know, 10 to two or whatever. <laughs> those, those games are a rarity. Pretty much all their postseason wins have been two or three runs, but you know, they're, they're a gritty team that is never out of a game and, and, you know, finds its way to win kind of more often than you expect them to. Yeah, this is going to be a fun series, two very different teams, but Hey, both of them won their way here. Both of them are here to have a good time. And uh, I think it's going to be some absolutely fantastic baseball. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. Good luck and welcome to Texas. Hope you enjoy your time here. And I hope the D-backs enjoy their time, but not on the baseball field. <laughs> I appreciate you having me, Bryce. Thanks. Now, thank y'all so much for listening. Thank you so much to Jesse for joining me. I also hopped on his show, the PHNX Diamondback Show, to talk a little bit about the Rangers. If you want to go check that out, they got a great show, great stuff over there, as well as all your needs of your other Diamondbacks needs for Millard, Millard Thomas of Locked on Diamondbacks. Um, been a, a busy content week trying to get you as many shows to get you as prepared as I can for Game 1 of the World Series, which is tonight. We made it. Game one of the World Series tonight. What an exciting time to be a Texas Rangers fan. Now you know everything you need to know about the Arizona Diamondbacks before this game one. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series Texas Rangers baseball.